Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. There is a, um, there's a shift that's happening. There's a shift that's happening in the world. There's a shift that's happening in our nation and even in the nations. If you've been following the news uh, politically, uh, there's a shift that's occurring. There's a shift that's occurring even in the economy in terms of currency and banking and business. Uh, there's a shift that's occurring in the entertainment world, in the sports world. Uh, don't be caught unaware of the shift that's also occurring in the family of God. God is shifting us. And this is not a new shift. When God shifts, it's, it seems sudden to us, but it's been happening for a while. It, it, it shifted really in my life in 2014 with the, uh, the affirmation of an apostle and confirmation of, as a bishop. That also shifted us as a church. It's no longer church as usual. God is calling for greater maturity as a result in the body of Christ. New levels bring new devils. Uh, new levels also require new levels of maturity. Amen? You can't go to, to high school with an elementary school mentality. It requires greater levels of maturity. And uh, to assist with this shift, during the Aspire community meetings on Wednesday night, started this past Wednesday, Apostle Sherman Arrington is God's um, tool and mouthpiece and teacher to help us set this shift uh, as a permanent direction for this church. If you all were here two years ago, you might remember the name Prophet John Coleman. Uh, he uh, prophetically proclaimed that we were in a reset. And for the last two years as a church, we've been resetting. We've been resetting uh, ministries. We've, we've reduced our ministries from, I think it was 43 down to 11 primary ministries that we felt God wanted us to focus on. We reset uh, dollars, we reset budget, we reset staff, we reset the focus. But now we are in a process of setting and, and staying in this flow, in this direction. Some of the things that he said, and I encourage you to come on Wednesday, uh, uh, this coming Wednesday at 6.30 as he will be here. Uh, he said that the leader cannot take the church where God is leading it because of immaturity. God is calling for us to higher levels of maturity. And the word that God gave me for this church today is to remind you that we have been much like the nation of Israel was when they were in Egypt. 
And then God shifted them suddenly on that Passover night. It's no coincidence that we have observed uh, the Lord's Supper and communion today because that's symbolic of what took place on that Passover night when they, uh, they ate the unleavened bread and they ate the lamb and uh, they ate it with their clothes on and they did it in haste because that was symbolic of Christ coming as our Passover lamb. And they shifted in one day from being slaves to being a conquering people, from being submitted, uh, wounded uh, doormats to be a people who were battle ready. But the interesting thing is they could have entered the promised land in 12 days, but instead it took 40 years. And, in, and the greater tragedy is that in those 40 years, there was a generation of people that could not make the, the shift in their mind, and they died out in the wilderness. And so God had to raise up a Joshua generation of people to inherit the promised land. As I was preparing the message, the Lord began to speak to me, and he began to release this word to me prophetically to say to the people of God at Parklawn that you've been moving around this mountain long enough. It's time to move into the promised land. It's time to move into our inheritance. The Lord further would say, you've been eating manna long enough. Can you imagine 40 years of bread, 40 years of manna? There's only so many ways you can make manna. God is saying, it's time for you now to eat the meat that's in the promised land, to eat the fruit that's in the promised land. The seeds that you have been sowing for, for years, the labors that you have, have been engaged in, it's time for the harvest to come and for you to eat the fruit. We learned very young, uh, very early in school as young people that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And Israel could have gotten into the promised land in 12 days, but instead they went around and around and around and around. And they got comfortable in that place, comfortable with their complaining, with their mindset, and several times desired to choose another leader and go back to Egypt. It's time out for that mentality, church. It's time out for being fickle fans. You know, fans are different than friends. The Bible says that a friend loves at all times. That a friend is born, a brother is born for adversity. A friend is going to love you through thick and thin. A friend will love you enough to correct you and tell you you're wrong, you're crazy, you lost your mind. But a fan, they will applaud as long as you're doing what they want you to do. Go ahead and drop the ball. Miss the layup and see won't they turn on you. They'll burn your jersey in the street. Stomp on it. God says it's time out for being fans We've got to become committed. We've got to, we've got to recognize that, that he's taking us into our promised land. So my text this morning is beginning in Exodus chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people of God go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. See, they were ready for battle but didn't even know it. They had victory already stamped on their, on their DNA, but they didn't know it. They didn't recognize it. Last week, Elder Marcus Arrington told us that it's time to get in formation. 
get in order. God is resetting this house. I celebrate what God is doing. This week, our uh, PRISM Economic Development Corporation is hosting a fundraising event. We have a goal of raising $30,000 because by the end of this year, just across the street in what was formerly G's Clippers, we are launching the Upstart Incubation Kitchen. This is a vision. This is a dream that was given, that was born in the heart and the mind of God, but delegated to me as, a, as the primary leader of this house, a distributed and cast through the leadership of this church, and God began to raise up people, sons and daughters, who will run with the vision. I, I don't have time to talk about what Habakkuk said. Write the vision down, make it plain on the tablet so those who read it can run with it, but this vision is coming to pass. Already in two years, this vision has received commitments of over 275, nearly $300,000 from the community to support this vision. This vision has a full-time executive director, soon to have another uh, intern and a kitchen manager. Why? It's because God has given us a, a, an anointing for economic empowerment in this community. He's given us a vision that's not just about you. It's not just about you getting a Mercedes and a Range Rover. Come on, y'all. It's time. See, it's time to grow up in our maturity. That if your vision is all about you getting a pair of Jordans, shows you where your maturity is. But our vision has to become one of, of excellence for our families, excellence for our community excellence in all we do, one of economic empowerment, one that we recognize that, that God has planted us in this community like he did the children of Israel when they were in Babylon and says, pray for the prosperity of the city because as it prospers, so will you prosper. That's why I'm glad we're going to Washington Park. If I got to be there all by myself, I'm going to be there roasting hot dogs. I don't care. Parklawn, I want you to, 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 to put this on the screen. We are not seeking to be the best church in the city of Milwaukee. But we are seeking to be the best church. Y'all following me up there? I'm gone and I don't know if they put anything up on that screen yet. <laughs> Let me just go on. Y'all messing with my flow. We are not seeking to be the best church in the city of Milwaukee. We are seeking to be the best church for the city of Milwaukee. The best church for the city of Milwaukee. In fact, God is saying we are to be the church in the city. The church in the city. The, the, the Greek word that was used to describe the church in the New Testament is the word ekklesia which was assembly of people who were called out to rule. They were the ones who were literally leading and appointing and holding accountable the elected magistrates. The ecclesia were the ones who would declare war, who would decide what the military strategy was. It's time for the church to, to take back that authority that we've given to politicians, that we've given to the business community, 
that we've given to other leaders, it's, it's an authority that Jesus delegated to us when he said in Matthew 16, you said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus says, this is about my church. And so you need to know that you are on the Lord's side. And if you're on the Lord's side, you can say, Parklawn is my church. It's the church in the city. Not out of a sense of pride or a sense of arrogance, but out of a sense of identity. Out of a sense of ownership. The fact that Jesus owns you, he owns the church, and you have been stewarded with an anointing and a grace to be a part of this movement and this shift. So I say to you that if you are unsure, if you have any ounce of distrust, uncertainty, lack of confidence, it will not allow your heart to be connected to the church. I'm telling you, you can come, you can sit, you can wag your head, you can clap, you can sing the songs, but if you don't have a consecrated heart... If you're not in this thing to win it, if you're not sold out, if you're not, if you're not just totally emptied out and say, Lord, I'm cashing all my chips in. Here's, I'm putting everything. I'm, I'm going to play this hand that you gave me, God. I'm with you all the way. You're going to miss out. You won't be a part of it. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1 through 6, look at in your electronic devices or your Bibles. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 through 6. King David said to the whole assembly, he said, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I provide it for the temple of my God. Let me just jump down. He just mentions all this stuff. He says in verse 3, Besides, in my devotion to the temple... Of my God, is your, is your heart devoted to the house of God? He says, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasure, gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything that I provided for this holy temple. See, it's time out for just, just enough giving, just enough living. You know, a lot of people, they come to, they, they, before they come to Christ, they say, well, well, what do I have to stop doing to serve the Lord? That's just a just enough question. It's like, you know, how much can I still get away with and still be saved? It's time out for that just enough living, just enough giving. Time to go over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. Talks about the 3,000 talents of gold, the 7,000 talents of refined silver for the old overlaying of the walls. Verse 5, for the gold work and the silver work, for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. See, it's got to be entrusted to somebody to do the work. It's time out for that mentality lie. I'm going to stand and see what they're going to do. And then I'll commit. No, there's some craftsmen. There's some people who are anointed, who are gifted, who are skilled to do certain things that you're not. And then David said, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? That's my question for you. Who is willing to consecrate, that word consecrate means to be ended, to come to an end of yourself, to, to wholly and fully and totally withhold nothing from the Lord. And so the message this morning is really called the consecrated church. 
the consecrated church. I'm going to give you a picture of this consecrated church. It's the church of Antioch in Acts chapter 11 and in Acts chapter 13. And without rushing, because I may not finish it all this morning, I want to just take you through the characteristics of a consecrated church. First of all, this, this consecrated church is a place of refuge. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of refuge for people who are religiously tired. Can I just let you know religion will wear you out? Religion has never saved anybody. Religion has never given anybody rest. Religion has never refreshed it. Religion is dead. I don't care how, many, how much clapping and bouncing and jumping you're doing. If it's religion, you just, you just had a workout. That's all. You ain't moved heaven or hell. There are people who are seeking refuge in a house of worship, in a place that is consecrated to God where they can flee because they're seeking that which is true. They're seeking that which is real. They're seeking that which is life-giving. And this is a church that will grow both from spiritual refugees. You notice there's an, there's an international refugee crisis. I could talk about the wall our president is talking about, but I'm not even going to go there. But there's an international refugee crisis where people are seeking refuge. They're seeking refreshment. They're seeking life because the places where they live are dead and dying. And there's a church that God wants to raise up. It's a consecrated church that will become a place of refuge for people who are in religious situations and institutions that are not feeding on the relationship that comes from Jesus Christ. And so this is the church that will grow from spiritual refugees, but will also grow from new converts. That's what we see in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 20, this church in Antioch. That there was those who had been scattered by persecution. They were persecuted. They broke that, that persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed. They traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time for the church to begin to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Stop preaching politics. Stop preaching opinions. Stop preaching traditions because that's never changed anybody's life. It's, it's the leaven of the Pharisees. It's a yoke that not even the Pharisees are able to bear. But they're preaching it as a doctrine and as a standard for the rest of the body of Christ. And it's killing our souls. But the good news of Jesus Christ is like water for the soul. It brings refreshing. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is raising up this, this, this consecrated church to tear down the walls of legalism and religiosity. Of how you have to dress. How you have, you know, the, the, the length of your skirt. Whether you can wear pants or not, whether you can wear makeup, whether you can, you can wear shorts or not. It's time to walk in the liberty in Jesus Christ. Amen. There's another roadblock that this church is tearing down, this consecrated church, is tearing down racial strongholds. This Antioch church tore down racial strongholds. In Acts chapter 13, verses 1, we read that in this church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers 
Barnabas was there. Simon called Niger was there. You can just put another G on that and you know what the name means. It means black. <laughs> he was from the African country called Niger. Lucius of Cyrene, which is a North African country, was there. Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So you have this multicultural, multi-ethnic, uh, uh, mixed socioeconomic church that, was, that God was raising up to tear down the racial strongholds. And come on now, that is the number one stronghold in our nation today. That is the one tool that the devil is using to divide our nation, to polarize our nation. All you got to do is say one buzzword and you are on the outs. I don't care if you watch Fox or you watch MSNBC, whether you listen to WTMJ or WNOV, you better know who you're talking to when you're on those stations. Because you'll be on the out just by saying the wrong word. But that's a tool of the enemy. God has never used a political agenda or the legalism that comes from religion to bring about transformation. And the church, to its fault, has laid down its weapon of love. And we've picked up, we've picked up the political reins that is a tied to a donkey or a rein that's tied to an elephant and said, this is going to lead us to truth. This is going to lead our nation to transformation. God doesn't ride the back of a donkey or an elephant. He's neither a Democrat nor a Republican. He's Jesus Christ. His party is the lamb. And the question is not whose side God is on. It's are you on his side? One of the things we've got to move on to from in terms of maturity, and this is even challenging me because I've even been preaching. I'm proud to be a black man. I am. That's my identity. But there's something even deeper, a greater level of, of maturity is that we need to begin to celebrate our, the image of God. Image trumps identity. You can tweet that. Image trumps identity. Yeah, red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight. That's our identity, but our image is found in Galatians chapter, uh, chapter 3 where there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. He says in verse 26, in Christ you are all children of God through faith in, in, in Galatians 3.26. For all of you were once who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. He's talking about our image, the image of God that has been stamped on everybody that's been born. And this is this consecrated church is a church that will that will confront these strongholds. The way that Paul confronted Peter in Galatians chapter 2 in that same book. In, in verse 11, when Cephas, which is another name for Peter, when he came to Antioch. Come on, you ain't, do, you ain't getting away with this at Antioch. Peter came to Antioch. Paul said, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. When they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. And when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, the good news, I said to him in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? It's time for us to pick back up the spiritual weapons that God has given us.
Drop your party loyalties and your party affiliation. Pick up the weapon of love. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient unto Christ, the consecrated church. Consecrated church is a place of refuge. The consecrated church is tearing down racial strongholds. The consecrated church is a church where the leadership and the believers are, are just saturated in the anointing of the Spirit of God. The anointing is not just limited to the pulpit. The anointing is not just limited to the pastors and the elders and the missionaries. I'm telling you, the, even the believers are walking in their priestly calling. That you all are full-time evangelists. You all are full-time pastors and prophets and apostles and teachers. That when you go to Milwaukee Public Schools, that's your ministry. That classroom is your pulpit. The anointing of the Lord is upon you even as Jesus says. And he has anointed you to preach good news to the poor. It's time out for the church to just, to just exercise the anointing for two hours a week on Sunday. The anointing is not just for you to just take off the shelf on Sunday morning when you put your clothes on, bring it to church, then put it back on the shelf. No, you are anointed wherever you go. The signs and wonders should follow you. That's what Mark says. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name, not follow them to church. Follow them that believe in my name. In my name they shall lay hands on the sick. In my name they shall speak with new tongues. In my name they shall cast out demons. This consecrated church is, is recognizing that we're all anointed. That's why we are committed to raising up this next generation of young apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers through the school of urban ministry. It's because God is saying the consecrated church is a pipeline of godly anointed leaders. It's not just a few. It's everybody committed to educational excellence. And out of this school is going to emerge psalmists and teachers and prophets and preachers and non-profit leaders and, and governmental leaders who are going to be anointed in the marketplace, anointed in ministry and anointed in municipalities that wherever we go, whatever hill, whatever mountain, whatever jurisdiction, whatever category of occupation we are in, come on, somebody ought to receive it and say, he preaching to me right now. I have been anointed by God. The consecrated church. The consecrated church is a church that's hungering for the word of God. They hunger for the word of God. They're not just satisfied with a Sunday morning word. 35 minutes, 45 minutes. Don't go over 50. Lord, don't go over 50. You lost some folk. But this consecrated church, they can't get enough of the word. They're hungry for it. That's what that Antioch church was in, in verse 25 and 26 that Paul and Barnabas sat with them for over a year teaching them the principles of the word of God. They couldn't get enough of it. See, the Lord wants, he don't, do, he don't want your emotions. He wants your mind. That's what the devil is after too. He's after your mind. That's why Isaiah says to us, the Lord says, come, let us reason together. 
You see, if, if God cannot, first of all, get your mind, he can't get your heart. He says, come, let us reason together. God wants to deal with your intellect. He wants you to change your mind. The word repentance means, the Greek word is metanoia, which means to change your mind. You felt this way about something, now you repent, you change your mind, therefore you change your direction. The psalmist often uses the word selah. Selah, which means stop and calmly think about what you just read. Think about it. We're often challenged to meditate on the word both day and night. That means to work the word over in your mind constantly. Not just let it come in and go right back out and, and, and just wait until next Sunday to get another word. What else you got for me preaching? No, I'm hungry for the word. It don't matter who's preaching the word. I'm going to be like the Bereans and search the scriptures to see if those things are really so. Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. That means a calm, well-balanced mind. I am able to rightly divide the word of truth. Hallelujah. This consecrated church in Acts 13, verses 2 through 4, is a church that is flowing and moving by the Spirit of God, and it's a praying church. The Bible says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I'm telling you, this is a church that's, that's not only hungry for the word of God, but this is a church that's open to the move of the spirit of God. They're in tune with the heart of God. They're, in, they're tapping into the voice of God. They're like, they're like Jacob. They're saying, I'm not going to let you go until you bless my soul. Until I get a word from you, Lord. I need some direction. I need an unction. I need a direction, God. I'm not going to move until you tell me which direction to go. And as they were ministering to the Lord with fasting and prayer, the Lord spoke and said, go in this direction. Separate Paul and Barnabas. This consecrated church is a church that is discerning, walking in discernment and deliverance. That's where God is moving us. We, we got to walk in discernment and we have to walk in deliverance. We have to be like the men of Issachar in, in 1 Chronicles 12 and 32 that says they were, the, they were part of David's uh, leadership team, but they understood the times and they knew what Israel was to do. Y'all heard the old nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty together. They were not walking in discernment or deliverance. That's not the DNA of the church. We know what to do. Oh, we are well able. We know what to do. The spirit of the sovereign God is upon us. That's what I see in the, in the church of Acts. In Acts chapter 15, when the move of God and the kingdom was advancing from Jerusalem to the Gentile nations and Gentiles, non-Jews were being saved and being filled with the Holy Spirit. The word got back to the Jerusalem church and they had a council. They had a meeting. And James, who was the, he was the hierarchical apostle over those uh, regional apostles and elders and leaders, James listened to all of them and, and he gave a decree. He knew what to do. To continue the advancement and the move of God. There are some moves that have been cut off by decisions that have not been birthed in prayer. 
and they have not been according to the direction of the Holy Spirit. This is a church, this consecrated church, that also discerns that the enemy wants to get his hand in and he wants to cut it off through people who are gifted but don't have character, people who are talented but have not yielded their, their whole life, heart, mind, and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the kind of person in Acts chapter 8 when Simon the sorcerer came and saw that the gift of the Holy Spirit was being given by the laying on of hands. He said, give me this gift. I'll buy it so that I can lay hands. And, and it was Peter who came and said, listen, I discern that there's a spirit on you a spirit of bitterness, and if you don't repent of that, what bitterness had nothing to do with him wanting to give? But see, only discernment would know that there's a root of bitterness on the inside of him that's causing him to act a certain way. And in Acts chapter 13, we see the same ministry of discernment and deliverance in the church, this consecrated church in Antioch. In Acts 13 and verse 6, as they traveled, this is Paul and Barnabas now, after they've been prayed out. And the spirit is moved. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet. Ooh, we better not go to Washington Park. We might meet. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Come on, he even had a religious name, son of Jesus. The proconsul who was an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that was his, that's what his name means, he opposed them and he tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who had been called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and put your name there. Then Walter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, put your name there. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Look straight at Elymas. And said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? I wish I get invited to the White House. Oh, then invite me to the White House. Fill with the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I wasn't going to preach politics this morning. I'm sorry. That just came over me. Pray for me. I'm still growing in maturity. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately, mist and a darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, what did he see? He saw the anointing of discernment and deliverance on a consecrated church. He believed, for he was amazed about the teaching about the Lord. My God, this, is, this consecrated church is a church that operates as a team, not in independence. Your independence can cut off the flow of the move of God. Your independent spirit, your pride, your arrogance, your fear, your lack of trust can, can short circuit the move of God. This church is moving as a team. There were prophets, there were teachers, there were apostles, 
They were elders, they were leaders, they were anointed men and women who were believers in the local church. They all flowed and functioned together, worshiping and fasting and praying and supporting. And if the team is going to shift, there has to be a grace and a discernment that leads the way. Just That's what I see in Acts chapter 6. When the, when, when the, when the church was beginning to grow, you remember in Acts 1 and and they were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out. In Acts chapter 2, there were 3,000 uh, people who came to, to faith and believe in Jesus Christ. And, and, and 3,000 people, can you imagine? 3,000 folks got saved. In this community, we wouldn't have enough room. That's why as pastors, we don't need to be competing with each other. There's plenty of, plenty of sinners. Amen. And plenty of church folk that need to grow up too. We got our hands full. In Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, the devil tried to stomp it out. Whose name are you preaching this? Whose name are you healing? Whose name are you casting out demons? By the time we get to Acts chapter 5, now we got Ananias and Sapphira. The devil's deceiving them to lie. Put up a, a false front as if they're giving everything, as if they're totally consecrated in their giving. But it's discernment and deliverance that's upon Peter. He says, the, the, uh, the devil has tempted you to lie to the Holy Ghost. And what happens? They die right there. Don't you? You ought to be glad we got secure give because some of y'all might just be. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't be scared. But they lied about their giving and they died. The wife came in a few hours later, didn't know her husband had been had, had the Holy Ghost had killed him. She, he asked her the same question. Well, did you give so? Oh, yes, we gave it all. The, the, the devil is a liar. The same men that dragged your husband out are coming to drag you out too. In Acts chapter 6, the church is trying to move and the devil is trying to kill it. And what happens? Murmuring and division begins to occur. Right within the church. And you know where it starts? It starts with the senior saints. Does this mic work? <laughs> starts with the senior saints. We ain't getting what we're supposed to get. I know there's no senior saints like this, like that, but that's what they said. But it was discernment from the apostles who said, you know what? You're right. We hear your complaint, but it's not right for us to leave the ministry of the word in prayer and wait on tables. You choose seven men full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, full of a good report, and we will lay hands and appoint them over the work of the ministry. That allowed the church to continue to advance. Oh, this is also, I'm almost done. This consecrated church, musician, come back. It's, it's, it's a prosperous and a generous church. It's a prosperous and a generous church. It's a, it's a prosperous and a generous church. In Acts chapter 11, this Antioch church, the Bible says the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide for the brothers and the sisters living in Judea, as each one is able, as each one is able. Some of us are more able than others, but we're all able. Oh, we're all able. We all have something to give, time, talent. And I'm, I'm going to stop saying treasure because y'all act like y'all don't know what it means. Money. <laughs> treasure, what's that? That's so, time, talent, and money. Everyone's able. Y'all got 24 hours in a day. You all got skill and ability and something. And we all have access to money. 
resources. One of the greatest, the, the greatest thing that God gave us was an ability to work. I've decided that I'm going to stop giving money to people on the street corner. You know what I'm going to give them? I'm going to say, I'm going I'm to give them an a reawakening. God has given you an ability to work. I call forth those gifts that are on the inside of you to, to emerge that are being killed by people giving you money. Every time they give you money, it destroys your creativity. It stamps out the image of God that's on you because the image is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'm telling you, man, get off that corner and start giving to somebody, even if they don't give you none. Wash their windows. Yeah, get you a squeegee. I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm going to just give a squeegee and a bottle of Windex to the next person I say, say, here, man. You'll make more money and you'll feel better doing this. But every one of us is able. The disciples, as each one was able, they decided to provide help for the brothers and the sisters living in Judea. Because there had been a prophet, Agabus, who came and said there's going to be a famine in the nation. It's going to be a famine in, Ju- in Jerusalem. And it happened. And the Bible tells us in verse 28 that it happened during the, the, the reign of a certain king. But every one of us have been anointed by God to be apostles in the marketplace, in municipality, and in ministry. There are kings and there are priests in the body of Christ. A priestly ministry is somebody that's serving in a spiritual role, full time, maybe in a church. My role would be considered as a priest. But when you leave the doors of Park Lawn Assembly of God, you have been anointed to bring life, light, and love wherever you go. You are going out as a king, as a conqueror, as a warrior. As a financier of the will and the purposes of God. I'm I'm going to close with this scripture. When Jesus heard about John the Baptist, the fact that he was arrested and finally beheaded, Jesus says this, and I believe that the spirit of God was stirring up on the inside of him, and he said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. When you leave the doors of this church, when you drive off the parking lot of this property today, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. There's a, there are weapons in your, in, of warfare in your hand and in your heart and in your mouth. And when you show up on your job and when you go to school and when you go into your neighborhood to, uh, this week, just know that greater is he that's in you than he that, that is in the world. And God has anointed you to take captive and take possession and take ownership. Everybody say, my church is a consecrated church. We're going to finish this thing that God has called us to do. Amen. I want you to stand on your feet right now. No one leaving. But as you stand on your feet, listen, know this. That God is calling us to higher levels of maturity. He's calling us to walk away from division and divisive people. In fact, mark those who cause division among you. Some of you are married to them. Don't look at them right now, but you know. Don't look at them. Don't look at them because you know. you in agreement, but your spouse is not. Mark them. Say, listen, if you don't get right, I'm going to tell Bishop on you. I'm going to tell him what you've been saying about. I'm going to tell him that you ain't tithing, and I am. Mark them that, mark, that cause division. It's, it's time for greater levels of maturity. It's greater levels of being in formation, being in order. If we are going to walk in this anointing as a consecrated church, lift your hands to the Lord right now. Who then is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord 
our God today. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.